Good evening. The 21st anniversary of a momentous act of terror in New York City and a memorial for a radical at Riverside Church. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Sunday, September 11th, 2022. And it was called the worst defeat for Moscow's forces since they withdrew from the outskirts of Kiev in March, the counteroffensive by Ukrainian forces. Russia, though, in retaliation today, attacked power stations and other infrastructure, causing widespread power outages across Ukraine as Kyiv's forces pressed a swift counteroffensive that has driven Moscow's troops from swaths of territory they had occupied in the northeast. The bombardment ignited a massive fire at a power station on Kharkiv's western outskirts and killed at least one person. Separately, the Zaporizhzhia nuclear power plant in the Russia-occupied south completely shut down in a bid to prevent a radiation disaster as fighting raged nearby. And Queen Elizabeth II's flag-draped coffin was driven slowly through the Scottish countryside Sunday from her beloved Balmoral Castle to the Scottish capital of Edinburgh. The hearse drove past piles of bouquets and other tributes as it led a seven-car cortege on the six-hour trip from Balmoral, where the Queen died Thursday at 96. King Charles III and his Queen Consort Camilla will travel Monday to Edinburgh to join another solemn procession that takes the Queen's coffin to a cathedral on the city's Royal Mile. After it's flown to London on Tuesday, the coffin will be moved from Buckingham Palace to the House of Parliament to lie in state until a state funeral at Westminster Abbey on September 19th. And Sunday marks 21 years since the 2001 attacks on the United States targeting the World Trade Center towers, the Pentagon, and a passenger aircraft that went down over Pennsylvania. First Lady Jill Biden spoke at the attack site in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. The 40 passengers and crew aboard the United Airlines flight fought back against their hijackers, thwarting a feared attack on the Capitol in Washington or maybe a nuclear power plant. She said her 9-11 message is, we will never forget, we will never forget. Meanwhile, in Manhattan, the annual reading of the names of the 2,977 people killed, 2,753 in the World Trade Center and surrounding area, 184 at the Pentagon and 40 in Pennsylvania, was held at the 9-11 Memorial, where fountains and a memorial park have been built around a new single-tower World Trade Center building that's 1,776 feet high. It began with a police and fire department procession for the hundreds of first responders killed in the collapse and a familiar song, well sung. One of the readers had a statement for the politicians present, including Vice President Kamala Harris, Mayor Eric Adams, and two former mayors, among many other politicos. Everyone in front of us is a, is a new family. It took a tragedy to create this new family. And I want to remind everyone over there, our politicians and elected leaders surrounded by a border right now, it took a tragedy to unite our country. Back then, no one cared if you were a Republican, Democrat, age, gender, race, ethnicity. We were united. It took a tragedy to unite us. And I want to remind all of you there, it should not take another tragedy to unite our nation. 
I want to thank everyone for being here, and I'm going to continue doing this until the day that I die, and I'm joined with my family up there. It was on September 11, 2001, this reporter was reading the news at radio station WBAI with studios located a few blocks from the unfolding disaster when it became obvious it wasn't going to be a typical day. We have breaking news. It looks like a, a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. There is a huge explosion and fire at the top of the World Trade Center. This is a live broadcast at 8.52 in the morning. WBAI broadcasts a stream of news about the attacks. It was one of the few radio or TV stations left broadcasting in the city after the destruction of the antenna on the towers. After power was cut in the afternoon, this reporter walked to the edge of the smoking ruin. Today, President Joe Biden laid a wreath at the Pentagon and said a few words. 21 years ago, 21 years and we still kept our promise, never forget, We'll keep the memory of all those precious lives stolen from, from us. 2,977 at Ground Zero in New York and Shanksville, where my, my wife is speaking now in Pennsylvania. 184 of them here at the Pentagon. And I know for all those of you who've lost someone, 21 years is both a lifetime and no time at all. It's good to remember these memories help us heal, but they can also open up the hurt and take us back to that moment when the grief was so raw. Joint Chief of Staff Chair General Lloyd Austin spoke, too, about the bravery of people under fire. You know, one woman was crawling across the second floor trying to escape. When she came across a co-worker who had been in the same conference room when the plane hit, and the co-worker did not think that she could keep on going. Just get on my back, the woman said, and I will carry you. And she did. And she got them both to safety. Just get on my back, and I will carry you. Now that is the spirit of the people of this building and all those who responded at the scene. In the face of cruelty, they showed compassion, courage, and common purpose. Joint Chief of Staff Chair General Lloyd Austin. The attacks spurred a 20-year-long war on terror that continues, leading to the invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq and deadly military operations in countries around the world. The construction of a military prison in Guantanamo, where rights were tread, and widespread use of torture. Today, drones still hunt the remnants of the plotters, often killing civilians who happen to be in the line of fire. And the United States suffers pangs of Islamophobia that have further divided a country once united by a tragedy. And in Washington, Vice President Kamala Harris sharpened her attacks against Republicans on Saturday at the Democratic National Committee summer meeting, while also touting Democratic accomplishments since she and President Biden took office. We've got 59 days to go. 59. And our work, your work, is going to make all the difference because we know, Democrats, the stakes are so high. As the president, as our president made clear in Philadelphia last week, the threats we face as a nation are great. Threats to our freedom, 
threats to our very democracy. And we need to speak truth about that. Harris vowed that if Democrats retain their majorities in Congress, they'll codify Roe v. Wade and pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. She said this is a pivotal moment in our nation's history, and make no mistake, this election is how we rise to meet it. And in more news, the young radical activist, whose father was a renowned civil rights lawyer who tried to finance a revolution by participating in the robbery of a Brinks armored truck, Kathy Boudin, died of cancer on May 1st. She was an unarmed participant in the botched robbery that killed two police officers, a security guard, and injured several others. Boudin, for her part, spent 23 years in a New York State women's prison before being paroled in 2003. Her partner and father of son Chesa was David Gilbert, who was sentenced to life for the same robbery, but granted clemency by Governor Andrew Cuomo and released last November. Their son, Chesa Boudin, lost a recall bid and was ousted as San Francisco District Attorney earlier this year. Saturday, hundreds of friends and family convened for the memorial at Riverside Church in Upper Manhattan. It featured a performance of an old abolitionist hymn. Grace, how sweet the sound that saved song, Amazing Grace, was written by a former slave trader who became an opponent of slavery. And a radical activist who once shared the notoriety of a place in the FBI's 10 most wanted lists in the walls of post offices across America is Angela Davis. She's a former leader of the Communist Party. She was acquitted of involvement in her prison escape in 1970. She's now a professor in California and was a close friend of Kathy Boudin. I can see her now wincing at the thought of so many people publicly lifting up her life and her work. And as much as I tried, I could never refrain. I could never refrain from offering up her praise. She made space for those who were never intended to be there. And I have to tell you that back in the day, I felt a great deal more comfortable on the FBI's most wanted list because Kathy had preceded me by a couple of months. Uh, and of course, Bernadine <laughs> then came afterwards. <laughs> but I will never forget long walks with Kathy in New York, sunsets on Martha's Vineyard, extended conversations in Oakland that always pushed me and all those participating to ever deeper understandings. And that was Angela Davis. A former member of the radical Weather Underground, a left-wing direct action group with notoriety in the 1970s, is Bernadine Dorn. After Boudin was arrested for involvement in the Brinks robbery, Dorn and partner Bill Ayers became legal guardians of Boudin's son, Chesa. She became a law professor at Northwestern University in Chicago. She told about how after Boudin was released from prison, 
The two traveled to see the world she missed while locked up. We traveled together every year, first to Cuba to meet with her father's old colleagues from the early days of the revolution, later to the magnificent glaciers in the southern tip of the continent, and then up to Iguazu Falls. Kathy and I had two days together in her last week with us. We sat side by side holding hands as the light began to fade. Kathy set our agendas. She proposed that we devote the first day to our political history, the choices we'd made, what we should have done, looking at our decisions with a critical lens. I hear the laughter, so we could have quite a discussion about that. <clears throat> the second day, we talked about being comadres, about our family, sky eyes and earth eyes, as she once wrote of us. We talked about our three sons and their extraordinary partners, the way we made room for one another, her devotion to Zaid and Malik and Rachel and Lisa, as well as to Chesa and Valerie, all. We talked about the unity of love, about becoming old, about facing the end. Of course, there's more to say, more to tell. The ways her colleagues gathered here and her family carry her with them and inside them. Kathy was unique, the one and only, and she was one of the many. She lived that dialectic intentionally and gracefully. She was all of us. Kathy, aluta continua. David Gilbert, who was released in November, spent six months with his dying partner. He said she was always his love. Thanks to the amazing efforts of Kathy herself and our spectacular Clemency team, and so many of you are here, I was actually released from prison. It was considered impossible to happen. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hold on. Repeat that because they may not have heard that yet. Repeat that. <laughs> considered impossible to happen, but yes. we all did it. We all did it. On November 4th, she and Chaser greeted me the minute I got out. Kathy with a bouquet of flowers in her hands. We slow danced to Smokey Robinson, ooh baby baby. You know, she remained cogent and engaged in many areas of her life right up until three days before she died, making her own health decisions and helping me with the transition back to civilian life. Kathy loved listening to music, and when I and other friends danced around her in her chair, she smiled broadly and swung her arms to the beat. I'm going to close with some help from Otis Redding. Kathy, I've been loving you too long. I can't stop now. I won't stop. <laughs> Kathy, I love you. Kathy, we love you. David Gilbert, former prisoner in New York State. Speakers at the memorial for Boudin were united describing her energy and positive outlook in the face of tremendous adversity. Even a prison sentence brought about by what surviving participants agree was a horrendous act. 
Within prison, Boudin organized the women and introduced educational opportunities. Boudin herself became the first woman to earn a master's degree in a New York State prison. One of the women she partnered with was Rosalind Smith, who spent 39 years behind bars for a murder she committed when she was 18 years old. One of my fondest memories is when Kathy started to the tradition in Bedford Hills Correctional Facility that lives on to this day, and that's the Tree of Life. This tradition started during the holiday season when depression is at its height, especially in prison, and many women felt unconnected from their families, from their children, and their loved ones. Every unit created its own tree from stock paper, magic markers, crayons, colored pencils. We gathered pictures of our loved ones and taped or stapled them onto a specific place on the branches to create leaves of photos, and that was our tree of life. It was hung in the prison day room for everyone to see. We all would cook our favorite meals, commence in a community dinner, and give thanks for life, our families, and each other. That ritual still goes on in Bedford Hills today. Kathy taught us how, to, how important community is and how to love one another despite our prejudices. Kathy and I started out as friends but became family. She had this incredible knack for bringing people together. She appreciated people for who they were, and her legacy will live on through the work that so many of us are doing. And son Chesa Boudin was the keynote speaker. He says his mother never lost sight of her struggle for equal rights and freedom for oppressed people. As much as my mom threw herself headfirst into mothering me, into being another mother to my brother Zaid and Malik, to Waniki, and a grandma to all of their families, loving us unreservedly. She was somehow totally engaged with every single person she met. She was a good listener. She was an active listener. Hundreds of people have told me that they've never met anyone who listened as closely, who cared as much as Kathy did. My mother left us as we knew her, generous without measure, smart, compassionate, and deeply optimistic because of her dedication to people. And that is where we must carry on inspired by her big-heartedness, now lifting her with us arm in arm, not only into the next battle, but also into every human interaction. I love you. Rewind. I love you. Afterwards, Boudin spoke with the news. He says he kept it together through it all because of family. Surrounded by love, grounded in family and friends and community and people who loved my mother and are here to celebrate her life and her legacy. And Bernadine Dorn had a few words for the news about recent rising youth movements she says are not making the same mistakes as the older generation of radicals. What do the kids have to learn from you guys in those days? And We're what learning from them. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't feel like I have a lesson to give. 
I feel happy that there's movements that we can participate in, not as leaders or people with lessons, but as another body. Right. You know, and How about friend. anger, the rage? You guys dealt with the rage. We did, but I think people have learned beyond us. <laughs> um, and I think there's angry that anger and at the injustice and suffering and, and unnecessary death. But it's also fabulous that they've found, I don't know what, intersectionality and love and generosity and the need for people to recover and heal. So they're better than us, and that's all we could hope for. <laughs> Another local radical, well-known New York attorney, Ron Kuby, worked together with Boudin for a decade on prison issues after her release. Kathy uh, and I did de-incarceration work together Really, the last 10 years of her life, we worked on a number of cases together. She was really the drive and the energy and the strategy and the direction. I was just the mouthpiece. We became friends. I mean, obviously, I'd known of Kathy for decades, but it was really the past 10 years of her life that we became friends. And pretty much everybody who works with Kathy ends up being her friend, or at least we feel like she's our friend. <laughs> Where did you get all that energy from? I never knew, but she always had it, apparently, uh, according to those who knew her when she was young, those who knew her in prison, and those who knew her in the free world. She was always zealous and passionate and dedicated. She's also, like, a lot of fun. When she was serious, she was deadly serious, but she had a lovely, dark, and sardonic sense of humor, which s sustained her through various periods of joy, I guess. <laughs> What's there to learn from her experience? A few things I would take from Kathy's life, and that's, one is that, that politically motivated violence has decades, if not lifetimes, of unintended consequences to the lives of many, many people, the people that you hated and the people that you loved, and perhaps think deeply about it before you decide this is the revolutionary moment in which to harm other people. I think something to take from her life is that you always have choices even if they're really bad choices. And Kathy turned 22 years of imprisonment into a, a laboratory of struggle, redemption, programming, working every day in every way she could. And I guess the third thing that I learned from Kathy is Kathy believed very deeply in, in the power of, of redemption and that People do horrible things. That does not make them terrible people. You can struggle to overcome your past. You can work hard for a better future. You can work hard to make people's lives better. It's not an excuse. It doesn't absolve you of the things that you did. But she had the ability to take guilt and shame 
and turn it into remorse and then turn that remorse into something very positive for other people, all the while not taking much credit for it. Kathy's heart was always in the right place. She always worked hard at everything she did. And in retrospect, uh, I think we would all agree there were a few things she should not have done. But they are part of her legacy and have to be. But it's not all of who she was or, or even most of, of who she was. Attorney Ron Kuby. And at one point during the memorial, the crowd that filled the church broke out in song. Kathy Boudin was 78. And that's some of the news for Sunday, September 11, 2022. The news is produced, written, and anchored by myself, Paul DiRienzo. To subscribe, go to SoundCloud and search for the news with Paul DiRienzo or go to pauldirienzo.com. We're also available on Apple Podcasts. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.